Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'd like, thank you all for tuning in to the show. Got my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we are coming your way with the 61st edition of the Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. Before we get into some basketball, we're going to start this off with some NFL. Uh, just what are you guys' thoughts about Colin Kaepernick and Tony Romo not being signed yet? Uh, we'll start with Ka- uh, Romo first. Well, with Romo, like, kind of got to feel bad for him just because he's stuck. Uh, the Cowboys are still trying to hold out hope that they can drum up a little bit of a bidding war. Uh, maybe come draft time where some picks might get offered, uh, so they can move up or, or stack some picks. But on the other side, you have Houston and, and possibly Denver, possibly some other team that may be keeping their cards in their chest, just kind of holding out, seeing if, uh, they just give up on him and release him. So they can just sign it free and clear without having to give up anything. Yeah, you, you, like from a team's perspective, you know that kind of makes sense. Um, you know, nobody really made any headway on Tony Romo last year when it looked like you know, Tony Romo's cleared to play, and no one made a move from then when a lot of people thought that Dallas would try to deal with him, and then. You know, now the whole off season and everybody's just been speculating what's going to happen to him. And even apparently CBS is in the running for him. They want to get him as a commentator for the year. Mm. Uh, I don't, I don't see that happening. I, I see Tony Romo on a roster more than I see him behind, behind the camera. But, um, Easy money, yeah, man. yeah, you know, um, but you know, the one thing with Tony Romo is he's always, been glass, you know, he's always seemed to find a way to get hurt. Uh, and, I, and, you know, teams are well aware of that and they don't want to try and deal too much for him. They don't want to be, you know, the overzealous team that offers too much. Uh, so I don't blame teams for kind of waiting to see what happens, uh, if he ends up being released or not. But, you know, I'd imagine that Tony Romo could at least warrant a mid-round draft pick at the least. I mean, for what you, what you're expecting to get from a healthy Romo, I think they would be expecting a little more in a mid-rounder. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. But it's just, I think there's still that fear factor of will he play majority of the season and mm-hmm. the games that he miss, will they be games that are survivable that can get you, you'll, you'll still have them for the playoffs. Do, uh, do you think we could, do you, do you think we could potentially see a situation kind of like the NBA where a team would sign Romo and then possibly rest him? I mean, if he came out and say the Texans got him and they're, they're not in the greatest of divisions. But say they racked up a quick ten wins where they knew like they they go they go ten and two out of the first mm-hmm. twelve games of the year. I mean I wouldn't be shocked if they go, Hey, we'll we'll give you a couple snaps at the beginning of each of these games just to keep you in rhythm, but yeah, we're not gonna play the whole game and risk you getting hurt when we 
have this division locked up and we have a uh, a home playoff game or two locked up. I, that's not out of the question, uh, yeah. especially with an aging quarterback that has an injury history. But mm-hmm. and, yeah, and, and, and you, I guess, you can't depend on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I guess the reason I bring that up is because you know obviously we're seeing that in the NBA, um, almost you know to a fault. You know, a lot of people are scrutinizing it. But, you know, Tony Romo could be on a roster tomorrow. And I think Tony Romo being on your roster already brings you, you know, seven, eight wins guaranteed. You know, it, you know, it seems the two teams that, you know, are, are at the forefront for getting him. You know, you're looking at Denver and Houston. Both of them have the defense to get you another five wins on top of that. So, oh, yeah, I think. If he goes to Houston, they're a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, they they have the offensive weapons to go with Romo, uh, and and to be fair, Denver does as well. But I know, just feel like their defense is probably taking a step back behind Houston's I, now. I would agree. I, I would agree there. You know, but but I guess where, where where I'm trying to get to is the idea that I I understand teams are scared of wanting to get Tony Tony Romo for him to have a season-ending injury week five. Yeah. Um, you know, and and that's why, you know, I bring the rest question into place because, you know, we're, we're starting to see that you see that all the time in baseball already, but that's 180-whatever game season. Um, you know, so I, I just wonder, are we going to start to get to a point where we see the rest being utilized in football? It's it's hard to imagine that it becomes a common thing in football just because there's so few games. Yeah, like like I said, in baseball you have 162 games, basketball mm-hmm. you have 82 games. So yeah, you you can afford to rest your players for a game here and there just to make sure. I'm sorry about the dog. <laughs> uh, uh, here and there just to make sure that they get the rest. Yeah. Yeah, because because I mean, I, I could I could see see it happening where you know team signs Tony Romo and says we're gonna start you ten games this season, and here are the ten you're gonna start for us, or you know here's the ten where you're gonna play all four quarters, um, you know win or lose in the other four six whatever games. They're saying you might only play a half, like win or winning or losing, like they may I. I happening because I think Tony Romo is good enough but you know like I, like I said the, the teams are just scared of the injury factor yeah I mean that's that's the biggest uh, you know, elephant in the room there is just he he's a high potential high high risk high reward yeah uh, signee tradey which is why I think most teams would rather sign him so you could probably give him a short-term contract, load up incentives on it. So if, if he does get injured, you may not be on the hook for as much money. But, mm-hmm. but you put incentives on it if you if you make it into week whatever. You get us to the playoffs. You throw for this many yards. You get this many more million dollars. That's kind of probably the type of contract somebody would like to work out with him instead of trading for him and owing him mm-hmm. for Whatever eighteen million or whatever it is he's doing, or that uh, that he would be due this year. Mm-hmm. Now, all right, guys. Now, how do you feel about the Colin Kaepernick situation? 
Uh, this was the stance for the last uh, last year. Was it still just hurting him right now? Why people want to pick him up, or is it just his talent, or what? Like, why is he not being signed right now? Well, I mean, I, I, at this point, I think it's pretty much clear that it's more so due to last year why he hasn't found the team. Uh, I mean, but there's there's been reporting rumored that like teams are scared to get him because they're scared of the president sending them a mean tweet. So it's like, okay, <laughs> like really, yeah, like, oh man, you're scared about this. I mean, punk move, but I mean, like each of these teams are their own separate entity, so they they have the right to not sign somebody just as much as they have the right to sign somebody. But I mean, when Mike Lennon signed, yeah. signs a big con, like a reasonable starters contract, when he's been benched and drafted. A replacement drafted for him. He's back getting starter money when you have a guy that's still not far removed from going to a Super Bowl. Run. Even though he played for a terrible team, what do you have? Like uh, 16 touchdowns to four interceptions last year? Got on the field? I mean, that's not bad numbers to look at there. And he showed better pocket presence than he's had over the last few years, so. It's, it's definitely not a situation where they can go, well, the talent's not there, or he showed a great client. Like, like that was covered that people could use in the Ray Rice situation. Uh, just even, even if they really didn't want that media storm, they could say, hey, last year he averaged 2.3 yards carry. So we, we really don't think we should even look at him. But, you know, Kaepernick actually had a reasonably decent season where he showed he was probably better than probably five or ten starting quarterbacks right now. Uh, I yep. think his numbers uh, bared that out. So it's, it's kind of weird that nobody would look at him. Yeah, just real quick. Uh, 2,241 yards passing, 16 touchdowns, four INTs. Um, and 460 yards rushing with two touchdowns, uh, running. So pretty good. Uh, 59% from the, uh, field, you know, passing. Uh, so pretty good, decent numbers, uh, considering how bad the team was, but yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he, and he was throwing to nobody last year. Yeah. Was Tory Smith was his best receiver? Him or Jeremy Curley. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, take your pick. Like, yeah. Who wants yeah. that to be your number one receiver? Either of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, and all. I think more of it is his political stance and the media frenzy that follows it. Um, I, I agree that that's what's hindering him more than his ability. Uh, I am shocked that no one has at least signed him and said, all right, you'll start the year as our backup and we'll see what happens. Like, he's good enough for at least that position. Um, and I think we'd all agree that, like, hands down, he's good enough for that position. Um, and like you said, you, you could make a case for him starting for probably four teams very easily, and you probably have to make a little bit of a stronger case for six teams. But, um, yeah, uh, I think we're just all in agreement that it's his political stance holding him back and not his play. Now, Granted, 2015, 
he had a he had a rough year, but he only started eight games. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, it's it we're we're living in a different age where some stuff will get you accepted in society and heard at your place of employment, and vice versa. So it, it's it's a very interesting situation. You know, he kind of took the league by storm last year, and uh, you know. My thing is, we all survived the 2016 season. You know, um, nobody's any worse for wear. You know, mentally, because he chose to take a knee during the national anthem. Just some people decided to scream louder than others about it, and you know, unfortunate for him, it seems to have cost him a spot on a roster. Yeah, and just to like touch just one more thing on that, you know, the like the media deal about it was huge, but they didn't really affect the 49ers. I mean, they weren't talented enough to really win many games, but yeah, there didn't seem to be any dysfunction in the locker room. His, his, his teammates actually awarded him, like, something along the likes of like, like a man of the year award type deal for their team. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. If if his team was supporting like that, really, how much of a distraction would he be coming yeah. to another place? And like it, 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 that, more so, just makes it seem like this is this is the team worried about their media perception. Uh, even though, if somebody really took the time and, and tried to point out things about him, you could probably spin this as a positive. Yes, he did uh, do the kneeling, which upset a lot of people, but. He Practice when he was preaching. A lot of people said they didn't. They didn't agree with his method, but he also mm-hmm. backed it up with like, donating time and money. Like, yeah, bills on bills. Uh, he just yeah. went to Africa, donated food and whatnot. Yeah. So you know he's practicing what he's preaching. So yeah, and you yeah. know uh, another point toward you, Darnell. I mean, what was it by week three or four? It was kind of background noise. It wasn't front page news anymore. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there were games like Brandon Marshall from the Broncos started to kneel and the national anthem would be played during the game. They would pan on him, talk about him for maybe 30 seconds. And then it was game time. And we're talking about the game. We're not talking about the kneeling stuff anymore. So we choose to make an issue what we choose to make an issue of. And, and I think teams are more just scared of the public backlash they could receive more than anything else. And like you said, it's kind of a, kind of a punk move, but you know. And a little bit just hypocritical because, you know, yeah. nothing against, nothing against this kid, but you know, reports are now, you know, Mexican might be a first or second round pick. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. What, did did you ask a question there? Well, yeah, I was saying, repeat I what you were just saying. Yeah, because you kind of. Yeah. Well, I'm saying like, like going on another side, just like yeah. something something that's actually wrong and egregious. Like it's nothing against him. I hope he learned from it and it's growing from it. But Mixon, oh yeah, like he'll be a first or second round pick. Yeah. When 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 that video came out, he was wasn't invited to the combine. And, yeah, everybody was saying, "Oh, people might not touch this kid. He might yeah. like have to be a unsigned free agent, or he might be a fifth or sixth round pick." But now, just some time passed, 
and he, he might he might be drafted on the first day, which which his talent does speak to that. Yeah. Talent wise, if he didn't you know, clock a girl on video, <laughs> he would be a first or second round pick. But if, if a team can do that with a straight face, but can't sign a guy that didn't do anything illegal, just kind of stood up for or, or kneeled for a cause that he felt uh, strongly about, it's like, okay, where are your guys' uh, heads at? Like, on one side, you're looking at it as a football move that you want to win the game, and here you want to, you want to make a moral stand. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I've, I've said it basically since the official ruling came down. I've always said I felt Ray Rice, you know, he was the example. He got yeah. made an example. Um, and, you know, we look at guys getting suspended for 10 games. Ray Rice still isn't on our roster. I, I think he's at the point where he, you know, still has a small glimmer of hope, but is probably facing the music and moving on. Um, you, you know, now Goodell got heat for, you know, the original four game suspension that Ray Rice was given. He said, oh, you, you know what? You're, you're out of the league. So it's kind of like, you know, we pick and choose our battles, what we want to be made more serious than not. You know, I don't know whether to attribute that to Roger Goodell, to attribute that to the media. And to a point, I think it's a mixture of kind of every source you can imagine. But, you know, like, like you said, Joe, Joe Mixon could be drafted day one. Well, they only do the first round, uh, day one now, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just, it's just funny how things end up playing out because you can look at scenarios very similar to this one and they have completely different outcomes. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, now anything else to you add for the NFL? <clears throat> no, no. Got it. All right. Yeah. Okay, up next, we're about to hit up the NBA. Um, just right now, uh, recently the Cavs just got annihilated by the Spurs. Uh, I think they lost by close to 30 points, I believe. Um, yeah. Should they be worried about that loss uh, going forward, especially getting close to playoff time? Yes. yes. Uh, Go ahead. You uh, yes and no. I think you should be concerned about it because if you're trying to be a title contender, you probably shouldn't lose to anybody by 30, um, especially full strength. Uh, you know, you, you could argue Kevin Love's still kind of gaining his bearings, but, you know, you have LeBron who made a six-game series by himself two years ago in the finals. Um, and you you could also argue he may have a little bit better of a supporting cast now than he, than he did a couple of years ago. So, I mean, losing by 30 is never a good thing. I think that should raise concern for the Cavaliers, whether you lose by 30 to the Warriors, the Spurs, or the Timberwolves. Like, to me, it doesn't matter. You shouldn't be losing by 30 ever. Uh, but I also think that they need to just keep a perspective uh, that one game in the regular season isn't the championship. That's not the difference between, you know, taking home the Larry O'Brien trophy or going home without it. 
Um, you know, they're, they're still focused on trying to be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, which is a closer race than a lot of people would have thought. Uh, they're, you know, they're going to have to fight their way through the East this year, which is something they haven't had to said, to say lately. You know, I think Boston would give them a good run in the series. I think Washington could take them to six, potentially seven. Uh, you know, but it seems like when the playoffs roll around, LeBron turns into a different animal. Uh, and that's enough to carry the Cavaliers, really. So, yes, they, they should be concerned on some level, but I don't think it should be to the point where they start, you know, to second-guess themselves on decision-making with the team. It's, it's getting close to worry time, in my opinion. Uh, I feel like, I feel like Cleveland's getting a little bit, of, a little bit too much of the, they're getting overconfident. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting a little too relaxed as they, they've been to the finals two years in a row. It seems like some of their players feel like it's a given that they're just, they'll turn it on come the playoffs. Uh, I kind of feel like, like the Lakers that year, they played the best in the finals, mm. where they Thanks just felt like. That up, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you for bringing it up. <laughs> well, like it's just outside of LeBron. I mean, he he's been having you know career numbers for himself, but I just feel like the rest of the team is kind of coasting through games where they think when when the time comes and they need it, they'll just turn it on. Where just things don't always work like that, even if you have a super talented team like they have. I mean, yeah. they can't seem to guard anybody. Uh, like Ty said, the East seems a lot closer this year. Like, they, I don't think they're going to go through the Eastern Conference side losing one game yeah. uh, again. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a few teams in here that are going to give them some fights. They, they might be able to sweep the first round, but, you know, Toronto can get a game from them. They showed it last year. Washington can probably get a game or two out of them. And Boston might be able to take them a seven or eight. Uh, it'll be, it'll be two teams not guarding each other, scoring a hundred, a hundred plus on each other. But yeah. they, that Boston's fine playing that way. That's how they played all year. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's getting to be a little nerve wracking watching Cleveland, a team that, you know, went, Pretty much lockdown on Golden State last year. Yeah. Not being able to guard anybody outside of who LeBron is covering it. You know, it's going to take more advantage this year because they're going to be more, uh, they're going to be a little more beat up if they get to the finals this year. It's not going to be the easy road they had last year. Do, do you guys think that they're over, overdoing the rest, the rest thing? Do you think they're doing it too frequently, or do you think, or or do you think think, what they're doing is perfectly fine? I think the media is overplaying the rest thing. Yeah, and 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 I'm not necessarily saying do you agree with it. Do you? you No, no, I'm just, I'm like, I'm just, I'm I'm giving the whole reason there because, like, when you look at when you look at it, like, I think, like, for Cleveland's sake, like, the only times. LeBron, Kyrie, and Love have sat for actual rest. It's only been like three or four times mm-hmm. each. So it's not like they've missed 
10, 12 games this year or something like that. Like, they've, they've missed not even, like, a tenth of the season. So, I, I just feel like that, I feel like that's a little overdone. I know it's, I know it's annoying from a fan perspective, especially if you, like, this is the one game of the year you're going to and yeah. LeBron's not on the court or Curry's not on the court or, uh, whoever you want to see is not on the court. Uh, but it's not like, it's not like they're doing this like once a week. I'm sitting, somebody's getting a DNP rest. Uh, they're doing it in strategic ways. I mean, if, if, if you've gone on a 12 day road trip to play five or six teams on the road, you want to protect your best players. I mean, I'm sorry, people. We've gotten to a day and age where science does a lot for for these franchises and these leagues. They the numbers show you exhaust yourself. If you're running on fumes, you're more likely to hurt yourself. So the, the way to fix that, unless the league wants to fix it by doing better with scheduling, maybe shortening the season up. Some players have mentioned that. I know. I know the the players of the early '90s and the '80s. They think yeah, I was it's, about it's to say, you know, man, look at your man Jordan. Uh, I know a couple of weeks ago, Carl uh, Malone he issued in on it. Uh, he was talking about with the rest. Uh, he was like, you know, you have people out there like police officers and whatnot uh, putting their life on the line uh, for their jobs, not getting rest or anything like that. And here you are playing a basketball game. You know, like what are you sitting out for? You know, man up, go out there and play. So. You know, yeah, but with with all due respect to that, my my dad's a retired police officer, so I mean I'm not disrespecting the police or anything <laughs> like that. But they're not sprinting for 48 minutes; they're driving around in cars for the most part, and you know they they get their they they put themselves in life and death situations for sure. They deserve to be paid more than they're being paid, but they their day to day. They're not, as long as they're not in an area where, you know, you're on high alert, you might have to pull your gun at any second. Like in the city I live in, where we, we don't have too many violent crime, too much violent crime here. So they're not, they're not putting their body at it as, in as much risk as an NBA player. Like as far as to tire themselves out. It's long hours. You might get sleepy. You probably need some more sleep or something like that. Then, and I can, totally agree and empathize with that but to compare a policeman what they're doing or the shifts that they're working to somebody whose who's body is their job I guess to say it was important and important and intellectually invalid comparison <laughs> but it, that's just the only way I can put it but I mean, just just say you're mad because you didn't take rest. You you played 82 a year. That's fine. You're you're a tough guy, Malone. Nobody would ever deny that. You're, you're one of the greats. And back in your day, players they they toughed it out through all of them 82. But you know, and people used to play football with leather helmets. All right, should we should we go back to that? I'll, I'll I'll take a little bit more of a cheap shot than you just did, Darnell. 
I'm sorry you don't have a ring, Carl Malone. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, 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 oh, man. I'll, I'll go ahead and say that. All right. It is what it is, man. But, but honestly, it's like when things start to go different is when, and, and, and I guess what I mean by that is like the culture of the NBA is changing. Um, you know, a lot of people who are, you know, more old school in their fandom for the NBA, a lot of them want to see the three-point line gone. A lot of them don't like yeah. Golden State. Yep. It's like when things start to change, those who love it the old way are the ones that speak up the loudest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, LeBron's, you know, this isn't the first year he's taken rest nights. He has what? He has a couple rings. You know, Curry has a ring. Spurs have five, and Popovich has been doing this for a long time. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, my thing is, it's it's proving to work. It's made it's made fifteen year careers, twenty year careers. Exactly. You know, I mean, does the NBA want to see? Four more years of LeBron James or six more years of LeBron James? I'll, I'll take six more for LeBron. I won't complain about that if I can watch him put up 30. And that, and that's the key right there. I'm pretty sure if Carl Malone was playing in this day and age, they said if he had some personal trainer, nutritionist or whatever and said I could get probably four or five more good years out of, out of over what you had and all it's going to take is we, we change up your diet a little bit, and we'll probably sit you five to six games a year. Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't take that? I mean, you, if 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 uh, for a chance, more chances of championships, and hey, your bank account will be five years heavier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, look at some of the players. Granted, injuries have taken a toll on on this a little bit, but but look at look at some of the players. That are still playing, that are going on or coming close to twenty years. Like Dirk still playing, Tim Duncan played for twenty, Kobe played for twenty something. Granted, and like I said, some injuries played a factor in some of this quote unquote rest, if you will. But you know, careers can be pushed to that twenty year mark now. Le- LeBron's going to push it easily. LeBron and, may pa- LeBron may pass it. <laughs> yeah, and you know those last years of Kobe. Maybe if there were some rest periods, or because yeah. Kobe's more built out of that old school player type of mold. But yeah. Yeah. hey, maybe if he would have sat some of those seasons when he was in his mid thirty, like yeah, early like mid thirties, minutes a game, like yeah, during that period yeah. and stuff, yeah, yeah, that maybe, was that was maybe added he would still be putting up numbers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, the the thing is, we we can see careers extended. Because of some of, some of this rest, and you know, it's not like they're sitting half the season. At the most, you might see them sit ten games. Mm-hmm. Like I said, that that's that's a fraction. Now, just looking at it, could you see this like with these players resting? Uh, could this hurt the NBA brand at all? Because uh, I know, like, I was disappointed um, a couple weeks ago. I think uh, it was Golden State versus Spurs or something like that. It was a uh, Saturday night uh, prime time game. Uh, both teams rested all their top guys. Uh, so yeah, didn't get a chance to see that, especially like prime time. 
Um, you know, mm. that didn't happen. Uh, so, you know, you had fans, you know, watching from home. Then you had people who, you know, bought tickets to the game, thought they were going to see, you know, the best players go out there and clash. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't happen. So is there any way you guys could think, you know, just with these guys resting, this could really start to uh, hurt the NBA's brand in a real negative way? I mean, in the short term, yes. That's because people, like, like Ty was just talking about, people that have trouble with change, things going differently. And, I mean, just to not, not only throw in a shot here at Carl Malone, but just the public in general, we, we hate to see just as people, like, uber rich people taking advantage of, uh, certain situations or wanting to be treated better as laborers. Like usually the response is you make millions of dollars, you you play a game, but it's like like I said, but the game that they're playing is running up and down the court if you're a star for thirty plus minutes a game. And and basically putting on the show for you breaking down their own body. So I I think it's just gonna take time for people to understand what the Yes, they're getting paid lots of money, but they're putting a pounding on themselves to do this too. So to extend their own health and and value to be able to play this game, allow you to watch them for more time, you might have to get used to them only playing seventy five out of eighty two games or seventy out of eighty games. Just but it's the seventy out of eighty games. Like, yeah, you might you might be that unlucky one. Like there might be one day I buy a ticket to to Little Caesars Arena and go see the Pistons play the Cavs or the Pistons play Golden State to try to let my son see LeBron or Steph Curry, but it might happen to be a rest night. It'll suck. I'll probably be a little bit annoyed myself. But you know, I I work a full time job. I get I get paid days off. So if I'm not feeling it, I'm able to call in. So why can't they? Mm-hmm. Here you there. All right, guys. Now, anything uh, left to add for this rest issue? No, I, I think we hit some of the key points okay. on it. You know, with I think Dar- Darnell just makes a good point too. It's the fact that you know, granted, they may only play three, four times the mo at most a week. Um, but, you know, if you're playing back-to-back on the road, uh, I forgot where I heard it, but I, I saw or, or read it, but I saw, I saw a statistic that basically said most injuries occur on the back, on a back-to-back on the road. Yeah, on the back end, the second game. Of yeah, the second game of a back-to-back on the road. So it's like, you know, they, they sit on the second night of a back-to-back. I mean, now, to, to your point, Trey, I think they... They could be a little, a little more selective. You know, prime time, Saturday night, eight o'clock, ABC, Spurs, Warriors, should probably play. Yeah. Tuesday night, local coverage at Milwaukee. You, you can take a seat, like, for all I care. Yeah. Granted, I don't really care if you choose to sit the prime time game, you know, like Darnell said, it'd be annoying, but. Whatever, I guess. They're, it, it, it's their career. It's not mine. Yeah. I'll let them make the decision. Yeah. Well, and that's that's where I think in the future we'll leave this and step in and try to 
become smarter with some of the scheduling. Probably less of these back to backs, especially a team making road trip playing back to back and crap between two states. And it's, it's probably not the best idea to run and play the hard, hard out 48 minutes and then have to, on all honesty, these guys are very tall gentlemen <laughs> that have to load up on a bus or a plane or something like that and be cramped up and go to the next state, get like six, eight hours of sleep and have to go through their full day motion and go do it again. Uh, this is where uh, the league as a whole is going to have to look at some of this. Like I said, science is starting to rule at it. So, it gets you the max value out of, out of your teams and players. If you can schedule better for these people are more, are, are fresh whenever you have them on court, they're more likely to be able to play majority or all of the games. Your stars on the court. We'll have KD sitting out right now. We'll have Kevin Love who missed three months of the season. It's just going to come down to a collaborative deal. Uh, if you want them on the court all the time, you're going to have to shorten up the schedule or you're going to have to do better with scheduling lengthen how how long the end of the season goes. Yeah. Uh, so you can space out those games. Now, of all the teams in the NBA, uh, which team do you guys think is uh, playing the best basketball right now? I'd probably go with the Spurs. I'm definitely going with them watching this first quarter starting right now. <laughs> and on run to start, it looks like the Spurs. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I don't see them lacking really in any major areas. You know, they play, they play really good defense. Kawhi Leonard, you know, shut down there. Uh, Kawhi was basically leader on both ends of the floor, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you, you got energy and Patty Mills. Uh, you know, you, you got some, some youth, uh, mixed in with the vets. And really, you know, one thing I, I always say, you know, wins in March Madness is good guard play and good coaching. You know, I'll, I'll still say, you know, good coaching can win in the NBA and, you know, Greg Popovich is great coaching. So, um, yeah, I, I like the Spurs. I, I like them defensively, offensively. They're winning big games against big teams and. When you beat the Cavs by 30, you know, you're, you're not going to go, oh, you know, it, it, it was just, it was just lucky. You know, Spurs have been doing this all season. They haven't, they haven't lost to, to, uh, Cleveland or Golden State this year, I believe. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take Spurs all day. Yeah, I think I'll roll with Spurs to just. They're playing that bullshit. Golden State has picked it up. They were looking a little, a little sketchy when Durant first got hurt. Uh, they picked it up. So they're playing good basketball. Uh, they picked back up the defensive intensity. Uh, without having another 16 swing man on the court. But, uh, but yeah, overall, I think they have to be consistent. 
foggy and they're still just playing their way. Uh, and I can't wait to, to see a finals matchup for those teams at full strength. Yeah. Yeah. After the finals matchup. Yeah, if, if I had to pick a second team here, just because I don't think we can discredit what Boston's doing right now. Uh, they've won four in a row, eight and two in their last ten, took over the top spot in the East. I mean, can't look past that either. Isaiah Thomas is really, you know, taking control of that team, that franchise. You know, he's playing at a very high level. Um, Darnell touched on earlier, they're downsizing their defense. They'll give up 100 a game, but they'll score 110. Uh, you know, but I, I like the way Boston plays. I like their roster. Uh, and I think they need to get a lot of notice too. Another, another good coach, another good coach in Brad Stevens, by the way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Future Hoosers, Hoosers coach, right? Uh, <laughs> not, not, not with Archie, not with Archie Miller on the way. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah, he, he, he wouldn't, I don't think he'd leave that. All right, just to uh, talk about Russell Westbrook for a quick bit, um, just with his triple doubles. He's officially, he just got his uh, 38th tri- triple double of the season. Uh, tonight he got 57 points, 13 boards, 11 assists. Uh, so he has 38 right in the end. Went off, man. Uh, he has 38. He's three away from Oscar Robertson's uh, 41. Uh, I think he has eight games left of the season. Do you guys think he will tie it? Break the record, fall short, or what? You said he's three away. Three away. Yep, thirty. He has thirty-eight. Yeah, three three away with eight games left of the season. I believe. I think he will beat it by five games. Seriously, straight triple doubles. He's about to get now. Huh? <laughs> I mean, why not? Why not? Um, no, but but in all seriousness, I I think he'll beat the record. Um, you know, a lot of people kind of frown upon it because a lot of people are like, well, he's not shooting that great of a percentage. It's kind of like, well, he's all the team has. He has to take that many shots. Yeah. But, he's doing everything. Yeah. but I mean, uh, it's incredible what he's doing. I think he'll beat the record. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, with, with eight games to go, he's three away from the record. If he picks up at least uh, five more. I think Just real quick, uh, I, next game. Uh, I think he'll beat it by a couple, though. Yeah, his next game is playing the Spurs. Then they have the Hornets, the Bucks, the Grizzlies, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Timberwolves, and the Nuggets again. Oh, he'll, he'll definitely get one against the Suns. Right. <laughs> yeah, since they're talking <laughs> it out. No, no, no doubt there. You know, he's going to get a quadruple double, and Devin Booker's going to score 80. <laughs> But yeah, I, I agree. I think he at least ties it. I do think he breaks it. Just you know, Russ is doing everything he can to drag this team as far as he can get them uh, into the playoffs. So I, I for sure think he beats it. Uh, and you know, he everybody's saying it's a done deal that Harden has the MVP locked up, and I don't think he likes hearing that. We all know. Uh, Russ has a chip on his shoulder the size of Oklahoma City, so <laughs> he, he's going to play to try to show it. Yeah, yeah. For me, yeah, I think I think he'll. Uh, I don't know. I th- he's either yeah, I think he's either going to tie it or break it, man. No, but Trey, he's going to break it. Come on, 
But yeah, oh just looking, yeah, just looking at you know, I think with just the Suns and he's playing the Nuggets twice. Yeah, I think he, yeah, he can definitely get it against those uh, matchups. But you know, either way, oh, man, I think I, he gets one against the better teams that he plays. Like, yeah, you know, I think he'll get one against the Spurs. Yeah, I think he'll get one on Memphis. Memphis, yeah, that could happen. Like I said, man, how the guy's yeah. just been playing. You know, he's just keeping those guys, his teammates, into the game uh, just by himself, man. So. You know, if he needs to put up 50, he'll do it. If he needs to grab 15 boards, you know, he'll do it. You know, he's just willing his way, keeping his team um, into the game. So, you know, he you know, he could definitely break it, you know. But he's yeah. he's just doing his thing, man. He's phenomenal. Trey, what, what do you mean Russ Westbrook's keeping them in the game? He has them as the sixth seed. That's unbelievable. It, I, I know, like, yeah, he it has is, them in the sixth seed, but, you know, he's court. having some close yeah. games, you know. Yeah, he's... <laughs> It's, it, but it is, but it is literally just him. Yeah, yeah. It's what he's what what he's doing to me is literally unbelievable. Yeah, like I, yeah. I, I, I would have picked them to not even make playoffs. I did, yeah. I didn't even have like. Make oh, I, I thought at best they were an AC at best, and yeah. I thought he, I thought he'd have to have a currently, season like this to do it. Yeah, currently they are the sixth seed, seventeen and a half back, but. They yeah, are two games out of the fourth. Yeah, but they're Ooh. six and a half ahead of the eight seed. Wow! And that's and that's all Westbrook. Yeah, yeah, they're safely in the playoffs, but and he actually has a chance. Like if things fall right, they could sneak into the top half of the playoff. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if they did that, I don't care how good the Rockets' record is. I think if you drag that team, that team, him. Oladipo and nobody else, basically. Yeah. And, and if, yeah, and if he was able to pull them to a four seed, come on. Yeah. Well, g- g- the, the way the way I see it, I mean, I, I, if I had a vote, I'd vote for Westbrook hands down. I mean, like you said, uh, Harden is Harden shooting a better percentage. He's leading a better roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so they should have a better record. But at, at the end of the day, I don't think I've ever seen anybody average a triple double. I don't think I've seen. Well, I have seen LeBron single handedly carry the Cavaliers to the finals. But you know, I, nobody would have expected this yeah. ever. Now let me ask you guys this: uh, You know, Russell Westbrook—he's been playing out of his mind. You know, doing all that—that that has to, you know, have a toll on his body. Do you think like they should consider like resting him a couple of games, getting close to playoff time? No days keep off. Keep it going. You know? No <laughs> days off. <laughs> You're not going to break the record resting. Not at this point. Amen. I mean, at, at this point, there, there, I don't see any value in resting him. Well, and just like I was saying, just for seeding purposes, I think they would rather if they could sneak into the. Uh, like sneak up a spot or two and end up mm-hmm. playing, say the Clippers or 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 Utah in the first round. I think they would rather do that than have to deal with uh, Houston or or San Antonio or or mm-hmm. something like that. I think I think they have to play him because if he's not on the court, that's that's just a given. Like whoever whoever they're playing, if Westbrook is not on the team, that that's a college team. Yeah. So yeah. they 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 have to have. It. Like this is 
this isn't a situation where they don't have the luxury of the rest of play. Because their team is not good enough to build up a cushion like that to where they know they have home court almost through or to the Western Conference Finals. They, they have to have him. His production is absolutely needed, which is, I mean, it, another reason why I say I feel like he's, if you have a guy that if he's not on the court, definitely lose. That's pretty damn valuable. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, top the NBA off, uh, we got to talk about them Pistons. Uh, do you guys have faith they'll make get the eighth spot? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, Trey, we, we, we talked about them earlier this year, and you kind of asked the question, what's wrong with the Pistons? Uh, you know, I, I think I, I think I've pinpointed it because after, after we had that conversation, I watched them play Boston and, you know, Detroit fought their way back into the game. It was kind of close in the fourth, you know, Detroit cut oh, it to a game. Yeah. Uh, no, this one may have been in Boston. Oh, okay. I can't I remember. That was the, yeah, the they, they played a couple. The Rips number yeah. retirement. That was against Boston. That was like that. Yeah. No, I'm thinking of the one on the road. Um, so they, they made it a one possession game in the fourth, and then Isaiah Thomas took over. What the Pistons are really missing is someone with the killer instinct to shut a team out, to close the door on them. They they just don't do that. They don't lock down on D at a at a critical point in the game. They it seems like they can never really get a bucket if they're you know really needing one. They just don't have someone with the killer instinct. I thought it was going to be Reg Jackson. When we signed him, I thought he was going to be the one to bring the attitude back to Detroit. And dude's not even starting. Yeah. You know, Ish Smith's starting over him right now. And I said, man, with the injury he had, it can be tough. You know, and, to I, and, I, and I agree. I agree, but I mean, I'm not seeing attitude out of anybody on that roster. It's fair. Um, yeah. And and you know, I, I can't really blame Stan Van Gundy for it. Uh, I don't know if he's tried to light a fire under someone's behind or not, but it's almost too late. I think they've, I think they've lost eight of nine. Yeah. After being in like the eight, the eight or the seven spot, which is unbelievable. Like that's yeah, terrible. Five straight. That's terrible. Yeah. Two, two and eight out of their last ten. Uh, yeah, I just feel like. This is another example of, at least in the NBA, the coach slash president of operation type deal just, uh, it just doesn't seem to work out well. Mm-hmm. Uh, like outside of Pat Riley, that was stepping down the coach after he had already put together with the heat and the team put together had, you know, three of Six best players in the league. Uh, it just doesn't seem to work out. Though. Uh, I don't, I, I just feel like probably with Stan, he, he needs to relinquish the, the GM role or the coach role, one or the other. They get another guy in there. So these jobs can be singular focused and they can put something together and maybe. Because there's talent on this team, but it's it's either not put together well or it's not coached well. Yeah, and 
looking at both of those situations, it's the same guy to blame. Is it because he's looking ahead to see who he can replace certain player A with? Or is it because he's focusing so hard on trying to coach these guys and having to play a way that he wants to play? He's not looking at the right players to fit whatever scheme he wants to run. So I feel like this offseason, this is talk to see if they can restructure his role. Uh, I, I think Stan's a good basketball mind. I think he's a good coach, especially with young players, which is why I'm surprised that they've been so bad this year. But, I mean, I, I think I've come down to this too much on this play. Pick a lane and, and work on that one. All right, guys. I mean, I, oh, well, go ahead, Ty. Yeah, real quick. Do you, do you think... I think the Pistons are a good example of a roster that doesn't want to take the star player route, so they're going to get a bunch of basically role-player type guys and just throw that out on the floor every night. Do you think that this kind of shows that you need at least one star player out there? Well, I'm not sure because, I mean, all everybody was saying at the end of last year is, Basically, everybody's thought of Drummond as a star. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it, I agree. He just doesn't—he doesn't seem to have enough upstairs to really be a star. Uh, I've come to that conclusion. Uh, like Reggie wants to be a star, but he's just not—he's not there. But mm-hmm. so I mean, I, I, it's hard to say they don't have one because you know Drummond is talented enough to be a star. Outside of not being able to make free throws, yeah, it's kind of been a letdown for me this year. Like, yeah, yeah. like if I'm yeah. all the Pistons guys, I, I like Drummond, and you know, just kind of well, just looking at him play. Yeah, the, know, the last couple of years, but yeah. yeah, last couple of years for me, he's been a little bit of a letdown. Now, granted, he every once in a while he gets a big monster rebounding game, but um, you know, the, the one thing that's kind of bothered me with the Pistons. You know, in the last handful of years, is they they haven't drafted well at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, their best draft pick in the last five years has probably been well since post Drummond. Uh, I can't even remember how long ago we drafted Drummond, to be quite honest. But you know, at, after we drafted Drummond, our best draft picks probably been Stanley Johnson, and the dude plays like eight minutes a game. <laughs> you know, the guy sometimes doesn't even make it on the floor. You know, so I, I think one positive here for Detroit could be, you know, they fall out of the playoffs, they get in the lottery, and they have at least the chance of picking up somebody. I'm not saying they're going to get a top 10 pick, but at least being in that top 16, you're, you're looking to get a player that at least has some very big upside. You're, you're, you're not resorting to a second round draft that can take in Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, like right now they, they, they seem to be stuck in a cycle of drafting projects that seem to have a little bit of upside, but it's going to take time. They either need to put, to put some pieces together and make a trade to get a solid foundation piece that they can work with and, and build around. Yeah, or tank a season and hopefully luck up on the top five, ten picks. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think 
tankings and the cards for the Pistons. To be honest, they they would have to be they would have to be sellers at at some point. They'd have to start trading guys away for nothing or for draft picks. Um, if they wanted to go that route, and I I honestly just don't see them doing it. Even though I even though I wouldn't mind it because I I think the Pistons just need a total rebuild. To be yeah, honest, they, they definitely need to blow it up. I don't see them doing it though, since next year they start a new arena and everything. So they want to have a yeah. decent team to put out there. The but yeah, I mean, like, and, and I'll even admit it, I like their roster right now. Like, I, I like that team. I, I like the, a lot of the pieces they have. Just not cutting it. Yeah, like they. I mean, if if they still want to be competitive, they're going to have to figure out some way. I think they're going to have to. Get rid of probably Drummond and Reggie, yeah. and and start from there. I think you still have enough pieces where you get a couple pieces of players where you can compete for a lower playoff spot. Maybe you can keep one of them, but I, I think probably both of them are damaged goods for us. And you probably would be better off to use these pieces to send elsewhere and. Try to get us some players to try to build and to work off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree there. All right, guys. Uh, anything else to add for the, you know, Pistons or NBA in general? No days off. No <laughs> days off. <laughs> right. I had to throw that in there a couple yeah. times. All right, we're about to go to NCAA basketball. First things first, we're about to start off with Ty Squad, uh, the Wolverines, University of Michigan. Uh, had a pretty impressive run in March Madness tournament. Uh, just what are your thoughts on this team this season? Yeah, you know, um, the end of the season was more pleasing than the first half, really. Uh, I don't know. Very average Big Ten regular season. Uh, they ended up winning eight of their last ten, I believe, going into the Big Ten tournament, which, you know, there was some bright side there. They kind of moved themselves past being on the bubble and getting into the tournament. You just figured, you know, win win at least one game in the Big Ten tournament and just secure your spot in the big dance, and, uh, you know, we'll see what the seeding is from there. Uh, you know, they had that moment with the with – the, uh, plane running off the runway and all the players saying that was a, you know, a, a kind of a scary moment. And, you know, I, I could imagine, I mean, you don't really know what's happening and your plane's out of control. Uh, you know, thankfully nobody was severely hurt, injured or killed. Um, you know, just some guys were banged up. Uh, you know, people on the plane were banged up as well, but, uh, you know, I think first and foremost, nobody, nobody being severely hurt was, was the good news there. Um, but, you know, they, they had a really, really good run in the Big Ten tournament. They got hot. You know, I think, you know, a lot of people say, you know, the plane crash you know, gave them a new perspective, all this and that. But, you know, the, the thing I think I loved about it the most was they came out the first game of the Big Ten tournament playing their practice jerseys. Like, one, you just never see that. But, two, you know, they you could tell that the guys looked really relaxed. You know, they, they went out there and just played. Um, you know, they got to a real quick, big victory over Illinois and kind of never looked back in the Big Ten tournament. 
Uh, had a nice win in the end over, you know, a good Wisconsin squad. Uh, you know, and they proved that by beating Villanova in, in the tournament. Uh, so, you know, winning the Big Ten, the Big Ten tournament just kind of made it, you know, a, a, a really good season. Uh, one that, you know, a lot of people weren't too sure of halfway through. And that was just more than anybody really asked for. And that just, that, that would have left a, a good taste in the mouth after, after, you know, the regular season that, that we watched and witnessed some highs and some lows. But then getting into the, getting into the national tournament, uh, you know, they, they had a shootout against Oklahoma State. Darnell even said at that game, both teams will probably be in the nineties and both teams were, uh, you know, they just held on late and, you know, didn't play great basketball, but, you know, shot the three really well in the second half. And I think they made 16 for the game. So they played to their strength there. And, uh, and then, you know, the game I thought they would lose, they paired up against Louisville, uh, played a heck of a game. Uh, they, you know, surprised everybody beating them by not shooting the three ball. You know, they were playing good offense, good defense, uh, and just really grinded one out. And, and that kind of, I, I think, set kind of the bar, or that, that put Michigan over the bar that had been set. Um, you know, I, I don't know really many people that had them beating Louisville. Uh, none of us thought they would, and I think that was a very fair thing to think. Um, but, you know, they beat them. And after that, you know, I kind of thought to myself, you know, I don't really care what happens next because that already made it, you know, a, a pretty, pretty good season. Um, so I, I wasn't too disappointed at all with them losing to Oregon. You know, Oregon's, you know, they, they came out, beat Kansas. They're, they're getting, they're, they actually are getting hotter as the tournament's going on, which is, Kind of, kind of odd. A lot of teams kind of plateau in the tournament. We see them, you know, just kind of staying at a really good level, but they're getting hotter as the games move on, uh, which is very impressive to see. They had a really nice win over Kansas the other night, but, you know, Michigan versus Oregon, I thought it was a very sloppy game from both sides. Nobody really played great. Oregon just made more shots in the second half. You know, Michigan hurt themselves with a bunch of turnovers, which is very uncharacteristic. Uh, they were missing some easy shots. You know, but those are the breaks. That's the game. And, um, Oregon's representing the Midwest region. So, um, you know, o overall, you know, I think this season is very successful in a lot of ways. Um, the second being really strong in the second half of the season, you know, definitely leaves a better taste in your mouth than kind of fading out in the end. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I didn't expect them to make the sweet 16. They had a very, very real chance to make the elite eight. Um, but now we look forward, uh, Michigan will be losing some key parts. Some key parts will be returning. So it'll be interesting to see what they throw on the floor next year. Yeah, their season was definitely a two sides of the coin. How they started out looked like it was going to be a rough season. People were like early starting to try to call for the B line to be out. Amazing run that ended. Uh, Derek Walton became the point guard that everybody expected him to be. Uh, basically a month before the Big Ten tournament and on through the NCAA tournament. 
stepped up and started doing big things. And people were even trying to like talk about Wagner coming out and declaring for the draft. I don't know if that last game did a lot for him, but yeah, as a whole team, they started playing great. Uh, and, you know, a couple people probably did up their, their chances of, of making it to the NBA. Uh, I'm, I'm figuring you know, Walton might get drafted now, and I think there's a chance uh, DJ Wilson declares. All right, guys, now. What was your thoughts on uh, just the games last week? You know, uh, um, okay. Yeah, I I thought for the most part the games were were actually pretty decent. Um, you know, I think you could you know take a lot out of the Gonzaga game, even though they won by twenty or so. Um, I mean, they, they've always kind of been the odd team out when it came to the NCAA tournament. They'd get a one seed and then lose in the Sweet 16 or something like that. And then, you know, you always kind of say, well, that's what you get for being in a weak conference. Uh, but you know, they, I really think Gonzaga took the leap this year. They played a very strong out of conference schedule, beat a lot of really good teams. Um, and, it's paying off. Uh, granted, beating Xavier wasn't the toughest possible test they could have had, but uh, y- you know it was how the tournament played out, and it's who they had to play, and they took care of business. And you know, I think a lot can still be seen out of that Gonzaga game. It shows they're for real. It shows that you know they they're not going to just go away in this tournament. Um. And I think that they're making a very strong case of themselves to potentially win it all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this week was, it was interesting seeing because, you know, you're getting the, these last teams coming in. So it was a weird mix. You had games that were close that, that you expect to be close. Some games that you expect to be close turned into blowouts and, some blowouts you had the team that you didn't expect to get blown out mm-hmm. to be blown out basically you know uh most of us expected a a tight game with West Virginia and Gonzaga uh a few of us were even leaning West Virginia and it we did get that tight game but Gonzaga pulled it out mm-hmm. every every ball bounced their way late in that game to make sure they they would pull it out you had Kansas looking like how they looked two weeks ago, where basically it's like, I don't know who beats this team because they're beating everybody by 20 and 30 points. Had a nice game with uh, Xavier in Arizona. You had a nice close game with uh, Oregon and Michigan. Came down to last second shot. Uh, just and, and, you know, it was a good open look. Just didn't fall. Mm-hmm. Moved to Friday. We had uh, a marquee game. Didn't go, wasn't as fun of a game as we wanted with, uh, Lucky. Uh, we had Lonzo Ball kind of have his first bad game that everybody's seen him play. Uh, and, you know, 
and De'Aaron Fox just kind of lit him up uh, for almost 40. Uh, and then, you know, just other games kind of went how you expected. You had UNC kind of putting in the Butler. Nice looking run. We had another surprise with, you know, South Carolina just mm-hmm. running by Baylor off the court. We had, and then we had the late night, uh, crazy game with, with the buzzer beater for back to back shots, you know, that, had, that happened twice this, this past week, but, you know, uh, with, with Wisconsin and Florida, you know, that one ended in spectacular fashion with a late three from Florida mm-hmm. to, to move ahead. You know, Saturday was kind of eh, because, you know, both games weren't really that great. Uh, you know, Gonzaga ran away with it from Xavier, and and then we had another shocker with Oregon just locking up Kansas. Kansas was looking like the best team in America, and Oregon just wouldn't let them do anything. Just that big athletic team. That was the kryptonite for him. And leading us to Sunday, we had a we had a great back and forth with Kentucky and UNC. Two big shots back to back. UNC has a walk on win the game for him. Uh, and then South Carolina continues their Cinderella one run and beats another SEC team that they were used to playing and taking out Florida. Our final four is set. Yeah, in I, I only touched on Gonzaga because because I kind of a follow up question for a couple of teams, so I kind of wanted wanted you to talk about them a little more, and and, and I'll start with Kansas. Um, is this just typical Kansas now? High seed, kind of bail out before the final four. Is that just kind of who Kansas is? Yeah, I mean, they're kind of just that Duke of the Midwest. They they get lots of talent. They kill it in the regular season. They they get a high seed, and they even when it seems like everything should be set for them to go all the way and win, somehow they they find a way to screw it up. Uh, you know, they they have gotten a tighter title under themselves, but. For the most part, yeah, there's a lot of disappointment. But, and the title they did get, it was <laughs> it was a surprise. They were the underdog. Mm-hmm. And it was that miracle season with Mario Chalmers hitting buzzer beaters, big shots from all, whatever. Yeah, because, you know, I think we, you would even agree with me that Kansas looked pretty bad. Mm-hmm. They did not look good at all. Either end of the floor. Granted, uh, big guy for Oregon Bell almost came up with a triple double. Yeah. Like, big game from him. And, you know, props to Oregon. They've shown up big when a lot of people thought, you know, we're just waiting for him to lose. Uh, so big, big, you know, props to Oregon for at least making it to the final four and beating the team a lot of people thought was unstoppable. And then, you know, another team, uh, I have, I have two more, two more kind of quick questions for you. For, for Kentucky, um, I think we all kind of recognize the genius of Calipari with the one and duns and he seems to make, you know, decent runs in the tournament. But 
do you think he makes another championship game appearance? Or, or do you think the one-and-done thing is going to kind of continue to bite him? I mean, for the most part, yes, it's probably going to bite him. But he he's so good at getting just the best crop of those young players where it seems to always work out for him. You know, every other school in America, they get excuse uh, one of those, like one or two big freshmen. He gets five. Yeah, and they he has and it's his six. calling card. So like, I'll I'll get you if if you play hard enough for me, we'll get deep. I may get you to a title. I may get you to a final four. I may get you to an elite eight. But if you come here, you play hard. I'm I'm gonna get you deep into the tournament. Outside of what? Since he's been in Kentucky, he's only he's only missed the second weekend like twice, once. It hasn't been off. Yeah, um, I, I today watched the uh, McDonald's All America game, and Kentucky has six commits, five of them in the ESPN Top 100. So he's doing mm-hmm. it again. Uh, you know, credit Calipari for continually bringing in the class he needs. Um, with you know the era of the one and done that he's kind of created in college basketball. Um, and then the the last team I have the question about, because I, I don't think there's too many questions surrounding Gonzaga at this point. Well, you know, just a quick caveat uh, yeah. though, for Kentucky. Yeah. Yes, I think he makes another one as long as, I'm sorry, not, not trying to throw shade, but it's happened to him twice unless he gets investigated. And okay. high tables out of town like he did at UMass and, and Memphis. Okay. Um, <laughs> Well, it's, it's okay. happened twice. Can I, oh, hey, do, I, do I just no, not act like it didn't happen? <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll throw a plug out there. I will throw a plug out there. This is for ESPN 30 for 30. In a couple of weeks, the John Calipari 30 for 30 comes out. I'm going to be all over that. I'm, mm-hmm. That is appointment viewing, also recording it to watch it again. <laughs> like, that's how interested I'm going to be in that. Because oh, you actually have a Calipari uh, 30 for 30? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I think I think it's going to be good, and I think it's going to break down a lot of what happened at UMass and, and Memphis. So I think that's going to be very interesting to watch. Um, and I think it's also going to break down a strategy for the one and done. Um, or he'll at least touch, talk about it, touch on it, whatever. But um, I think that's going to be super good. But yeah, the, lastly, uh, South Carolina. Um, I think there's no doubt about it that their strength is their defense oh, yeah. and Thornwell. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I actually really enjoy watching South Carolina play. They're, they're a lot of fun to watch. Um, not many people say that about defensive teams. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, uh, with South Carolina, you know, Frank Martin's doing an incredible job with these guys. You know, had them buy into what he was selling, and you know, it's it's obviously paid off with the trip to the Final Four. Um, the team seems to go as Thornwell goes, and for me, that kind of draws some issues because it's almost like if you stop Thornwell, it doesn't. You know, he's averaging over twenty a game. It almost seems like there isn't an, enough on that roster to make up for it if he has a bad game. Uh, do do you think? 
I mean, obviously Gonzaga knows, you know, if you're going to stop him, you're going to like your chance. But do you think Gonzaga is good enough defensively to, to stop South Carolina? And in turn, do you think South Carolina's defense would be good enough to win that game? Even if Thornwell doesn't have a 20 plus point night. No, yeah, they're not going to just get in. Let's just get into it then. Yeah, South Carolina okay. versus Gonzaga. Yeah, how do you guys feel? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. No, I don't think South Carolina is good enough to win if Thornwell doesn't have a a big game, just because they they don't have enough scoring punch otherwise. I know they had I know they had two early games where they just kind of went against what they've been all year. Uh, you know, having sixty point halves when. They've only scored over sixty-five in total twice during the regular season. So, yeah. so no, I don't. I don't think. I don't think they could survive him having a bad game. But on the plus side, I don't think Gonzaga has enough to really lock him down. He would just have to be cold. So okay. if if he if he can play his game, he, he's going to get twenty points. They're going to not saying Gonzaga can't beat them even if he has a good game, but. Uh, I don't think they have anybody that could just get up in there and lock him down. Uh, I do think South Carolina has enough defense to cause trouble for Gonzaga. Like, I think, I think Williams Goss is going to have a, a tough night. Uh, I think he's going to get, he, he's not going to be able to get to the basket when he wants. I think South Carolina has the defense to keep him out of driving lanes and they're going to force other players to beat him, but and that's what it's going to come down to. Can Gonzaga get enough uh, ball movement from other parts of the court and figure out other ways to score uh, from outside of having their their star guard initiate them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, South Carolina doesn't really shoot the three all too much. Um, I don't know if that's because they don't do it very well. Or it's just not a part of the game plan. I mean, I think it could be a combination of the two, you know. But one player that I think is going to be really key is going to be uh, Karnowski. You know, you, you know, guarding the middle of that paint. Uh, I, I against Florida, I saw South Carolina get a lot of, a lot of points right at the bucket. You know, he's going to have to be able to get some stops, contest a lot of shots, but also stay out of foul trouble. You know, it also helps that they're bring. you know, the guy they bring in to, when, when they sub him off is also, you know, close to seven foot. Um, you know, but he's no Karnowski. So I, I think Karnowski's kind of one of the key players to watch there for Gonzaga. As, I mean, as he has been the whole tournament. But, um, I think if, if he has a good defensive game, his offensive game is just going to flow right through it. Um, and, and I wouldn't see Gonzaga having too big of, too big of a, you know, and I, and I want to be careful when I choose my words, I, because I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I think they'll have a nice night and do a lot of what they want to do, but I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout either. So, um, you know, I, I think Karnowski is going to be the key for Gonzaga, I guess, moving forward, really. Um, but, you know, in turn, you know, Thornwell is when the game's the biggest. Um, I think Santana Moss said it when he was in college. He said big players, you know, show up during big time games. So, you know, Thornwell, the spotlight's his now. And I'm very excited to see how he's going to handle it. Um, you know, 
I, I would love to see him, you know, get his usual 20 plus points a game and the game go right down to the wire. I think that's kind of what a lot of people want at this point. But, you know, I, I think he will need, you know, his 20 plus points, um, for South Carolina to really have a good chance of winning. I, I don't see him scoring, you know, well, I mean, I guess he could score, you know, 15 or whatever, and they have a decent chance, but he's not going to be able to score eight points and expect to win the game. You know, I, he, I think he's going to have to, you know, at least be at 15 points if they want a really good chance. So, uh, for, for me, I, I think the players to watch, obviously, Thornwell and Kronowski. Yeah, but like, I'm, I'm looking more forward just to see how that the guard on guard deal runs mm-hmm. with him. Like, I, I want to see. Thornwell versus Williams Goss, uh, Williams Goss, because uh, mm-hmm. he he had a bad game against West Virginia, but they they still mm-hmm. just pulled it out. I uh, believe shot two for ten, uh, and it's it's not going to be a lot easier with Thornwell because he's a good defensive player and, and he's big, six five, two over two hundred pounds, like two two ten, two eleven, something like that. So. I, I just want to see how that matchup plays out and see if that has uh, implications on the game. Like, yeah. All right, now who you guys got in that game? I'm going to go with Gonzaga. Uh, I, I, I've seen too much out of them to really pick against them. I, I've, seen a, I've seen some balance out of them. Uh, I, I thought they... Even though it was, you know, a little bit more of a struggle, I thought they did, you know, pretty good against that West Virginia press. Um, they came up against a hot team in Xavier and rolled them. So I like Gonzaga. I like their depth. Um, you know, like the guard play, like the big guy. Uh, I think Mark Few. I don't think Mark Few is necessarily coming out trying to prove people wrong, but I think we're really starting to see his his coaching genius come out, and I think the Final Four should be another platform where we see it again. Yeah, I'm probably more inclined to go with Gonzaga as well. The depth, I think, is a big key issue. Go deeper in South Carolina, Canada. And like I said, South Carolina is going to have to find points from everything. And Thornwell, so and like for a team, I mean, it's both teams' first time this deep. Uh, but I just feel like Gonzaga just in their pedigree from making a step up from Cinderella to to Fabes, feel like they're they're built more for the situation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the underdogs, man. I'm going to go with South Carolina on this one. Yep. Uh, like I said, Thornwell's been playing good, but uh, like I said, the, their defense, they, their defense been keeping them in the games, man. So I think just how this one's going to be, their defense is going to keep them real close up in the, uh, first half. And then once the second half, I'm going to think they're just going to explode on them. So going to, mm-hmm. going to have to see, but either way, uh, it's going to be a good game regardless, man. But we got to roll with the underdogs in this one. Now, uh, for the next one, uh, who do you have, uh, for the next, uh, matchup with UNC? Oregon, UNC? Yeah. Yeah. 
as my my one pick that I'm hoping is is right for the finals, I'm sticking with UNC. Uh, I just think they're they're probably just the, the most talented team left. They they were arguably the most talented team in the in the in the tournament. Mm-hmm. They they played consistent. They won their games like they should. They they've had some some fights, but they've gotten past every test. Uh, the, the one question with me uh, on UNC is just is 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 Joe Barry is his ankle good enough to go? Yeah, uh, the whole time that's that's a big question for me. Uh, but with him and, and Jackson, I, I I just I can't see Oregon winning another one here. Uh, I think this is. This this has to be the matchup where where they they miss Boucher. Uh, yeah, um, they, they got injured. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you know, Bell has shown up like a monster in his absence, though. To be fair, mm-hmm. um, but you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I'll just throw a couple names out there: Kennedy Meeks, Isaiah Hicks, Justin Jackson, Luke May. They're all over what six nine, <laughs> six nine yep. or over. I mean, th- yep. they re- they rebound the ball really well. They play they play pretty good defense. They score the ball. There's just not much that North Carolina doesn't do. And if if Oregon goes through a stretch like they did against Michigan, where they're not scoring the ball very e- efficiently or effectively. You know, if they're, you know, shooting threes and they're not dropping, you know, if Dorsey's not making his shots, if Brooks isn't making his shots, they're they're going to be in for some for some trouble. Um, I think it would be very unfortunate if North Carolina were to win this game by, you know, ten plus, and it's kind of boring. You know, I think at this point in the tournament, everybody wants the game to be last possession. Um, I know I do. But, you know, I think this could just be the one that broke the camel's back in in Oregon. So I, I like North Carolina here. Um, you know they're doing all they can to get Joel Berry ready. Um, they probably didn't practice him to the level they would have liked to. But at this point of the year, I don't think he really needs more practice. Uh, I think, you know, is, if he can get out there, do some light work. Film's more pivotal now than than anything else, because um, you you can cover a lot of the stuff you watch on film in a walkthrough, and you know at this point I think that's really all any of those players need, really any on any of the teams. So you know I, I like North Carolina here. I like Roy Williams. I think the stat of the Final Four right now is Roy Williams has coached over 500 minutes in the Final Four. The other three coaches have a combined time of zero. <laughs> I saw that. It's like you you know that, but you didn't like just realize see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you didn't realize it. Because I remember I saw that and I was like, wow, like experience is big in, in moments like this. You know, um, Roy Williams won't get flustered as a coach. No, I'm not expecting any coach to go out there and like freeze and start making bad decisions as a coach. But, you know, late in the game, 
He knows what works in big moments. He knows what players can and can't handle in big moments. Uh, so, you know, I, I just think more things fall in favor of North Carolina here. Yeah. I just feel like they're, they're a more polished, offensively gifted. Or yeah. They, like, they're similar teams. It's just for what Oregon is outside of maybe defensively, like, as far as getting blocks, I should say. Oregon might be a little better there, but everything else, just North Carolina is as good or better, at, and just they're more talented overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have North Carolina in that one as well. Um, but you know, just looking at our matchups, uh, you two, you guys have uh, Gonzaga versus UNC for the final. I will have yep. uh, South Carolina versus UNC for the final. Uh, just like if it was to happen, like who would you guys have winning it all? Just based on your uh, predictions, um, I would have UNC for mine. I just think they're better overall team, more polished. Uh, you know, with Roy Williams, you know he has the experience. Nothing he hasn't seen when it comes to March Madness and being in the Final Four. Uh, I just think that they will be able to pull it off. Uh, but just looking at you guys, you guys have would have Zaga versus UNC. Uh, UNC. Uh, what do you guys think will happen with your predictions if it was to happen? I would go. I would go North Carolina as well. Yeah, I think UNC and uh, I mean I. That matchup, I don't think it's a very fun final game. Mm. I, I could see it being that way. Um, but you know, I guess for the spirit of the tournament, I, I would hope it's not that way. I agree. I want a closer game, but I just feel like that matchup just is ugly for Gonzaga. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just all all the size that North Carolina brings yeah. would cause havoc. I, I would definitely agree with that statement. All right, guys. Uh, now, is there anything else you have for NCAA basketball or just sports in general? Or? Uh, it's sad that college basketball is coming to a close. It was another fun year. Uh, baseball starting up. I know we don't get too, too pumped over that. So, looks like the countdown for football starts in a, well, I guess there's still some NBA. So, yeah. Uh, but in, in college athletics, looks like the countdown for, uh, for football is going to be starting here in the next couple of days. Yeah. Okay. MSU spring game Saturday. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I know Michigan. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Up I know. Me too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I know. Man. I know Michigan. I know Michigan's is fairly soon, but I can't remember exactly what day. Let, let me look that up. Here. You going to check that out, Darnell? I'm still debating. Like I was, like I said, it snuck up on me so fast. I was yeah, like, that's I, crazy, man. That went wow. Yeah. Uh, Michigan's is uh, the 15th of April. Okay. So they got they got a couple weeks still. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, but yeah, I mean, crazy, hey. Man. That that stuff's right around the corner, so yeah, you know that that gets you excited, and then it, you get about four months let down. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, um, we we had a fun fun year of college basketball. What well, well, Trayon, Now that you kind of got into it a little bit this year and watched some some more of the games, what what would you say j- just from you being an observer this year, 
more so than in the past. What were your takeaways from college basketball this year? What did you like? What didn't you like? Man, I just like one thing. Well, just with me, uh, this is just so much talent, like just getting used to like particularly this March Madness. Man, just so many, so many teams uh, just out there that you're just kind of unaware about. Well, for me in particular, uh, just with, you know, just with how huge the bracket is and stuff, like you will see some uh, teams you're familiar with and they'll get upset. It's like, well, dang, you know, yeah, I need to start following this team uh, more and stuff like that. So, yeah, just, you know, this is a good year for me, man, just to get familiar with more teams. But it's still, you know, it's still letting me know that, you know, hey, there's still a lot of teams out there. I need to get to know a little bit more about and follow because they can do damage uh, when Marsha gets here, uh, just as well as, you know, the teams that's, you know, a number one seed or whatnot. So uh, that's the biggest, you know, kind of like letdown for me, even though, you know, just, you know, just check out the talent more. But I, overall, man, I just love the energy that uh, this college basketball just brings. You know, I definitely agree with you guys. You know, there's nothing uh, like uh, college basketball, you know, with all the sports and stuff. Like, people get hyped up about the Super Bowl and stuff. But, you know, March Madness is just the spirit, the competitiveness, uh, you know, just these guys out there trying to make a name for themselves, trying to put their school on the map and everything like that. Uh, you know, the underdogs and everything like that is just a pretty fun experience, man. So, uh, definitely, we'll definitely be checking it out some more next year, man. Just extremely pumped for it, man. This has definitely been a good year of basketball. Now you guys have anything else to add? No, I'm, I think we've covered quite a bit this week. All right, yeah. So, as always, guys, I appreciate you guys for tuning into the show. Um, you can check us out on Twitter at DKM underscore cast. You can also check out this podcast on platforms like YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, podcast.com. Just hit us up in that search bar. And that's about it, man. Y'all take care. Now, just going to be enjoying these games uh, this weekend. So, this was well, Saturday and Monday. So, y'all take it easy. Peace.